on WJMS Media, powered by Black Ivy Media. It's your girl, Rita Pierre, your host. And as always, I hope you guys are striving, thriving, and surviving in these streets. So happy Sunday, everyone. Happy new week. I hope this past week was amazingly productive for you and that you had an even better weekend, a weekend of rejuvenation, self-reflection, and all those positive things. Guys, we are at the end. This is the last Sunday of the month. We are heading into September literally this week. And you know what? As much as I lament the end of summer, because it's just, you know, summer is one of those laid back seasons, right? Even though a lot of us who are both nine to fivers and business owners, we are on the grind 365 days a year. Summer gives us a little bit of a pause. We, you know, we're a little slower in the summer. We take some vacations. Maybe even if we don't take vacations, we take at least a few days off, right? We are a little more relaxed in the summer. So that's why I love it. However, I can tell you that fall is my favorite season. You guys hear this all year around. Fall is my favorite season, not just because of the weather, but I feel like collectively people are on a grind. We are hungry. When it comes to September, we are like, we need to get this done. And so I feel that energy already brewing with some of my friends. You know, we're already talking about projects and plans for 2023 even. So I welcome this season of productivity. The other day, I stumbled into a, you know, setting intentions, you know, I don't want to say ceremony, but a group of individuals who were setting their intentions for the month. And, you know, usually I'm used to, you know, planning for the quarter, but this was interesting how they come together and they set their attentions for every season. So we're in Virgo season. Shout out to all my Virgos out there. Although I am a proud Sagittarian, my moon is in Virgo, so... So if you guys know anything about this, you guys know that uh, Virgo and Sagittarius are two separate people. So that means I live in duality pretty much every day of my life. <laughs> but either way, it was amazing to be in the presence of these dope individuals And I got to set my intentions for the month, for the Virgo season. This is a month of productivity, a month of organization. And I am here for it because I feel like I was in a little bit of a disarray um, during, you know, I guess the the seasons of cancer and, and, and whatnot and Leo. But um, I am all here for this Virgo season. I'm all here for the organization, for the productivity. And I have a lot of things, you know, in store. I've set the intentions. I've manifested. It will happen. So you guys stay tuned. But either way, today's episode is a solo episode by yours truly. And, you know, as we are closing out Black Business Month, I had so many revelations, so many revelations this month. You know, listening back to the interviews that we had with uh, JD Global, Jeffrey Dorgestan, and Bradley Valentine, like, I feel like I've gained so much more insight on business, being a black business owner. There were so many trainings that I was so fortunate to take part of this month that also gave me the extra confidence that I needed to really move forward in business. You know, it's not easy being a nine to fiver. 
and being a business owner as well, especially uh, having a business in the creative space. It's not easy, you know? So I really gained a lot of insight this month and I definitely want to share some of that insight with you guys, hoping that I can inspire some of you who may be on the fence with respect to starting your business or for those of you who already have the business and are just kind of confused, right? Because we all have these stages in business where we either hit a brick wall, we're confused, we don't know what to do, should we stay, should we go? So hopefully today's episode will give you guys some sort of insight, some sort of motivation to keep fighting. If it's your passion, and that's something I learned this month. If it's your passion, keep fighting for it, right? So I don't want to get too much into the meat of the show, but that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get into that meat, we are getting into our preliminaries and it is now time for the Urban Dictionary Word or Phrase of the Week. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? May I have the definition? Um, what does keep keep mean? What's on fleek? Can you use it in a sentence? And it's gonna be lit. Major key. It's time for the Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week. So this week's word or phrase of the week is phobi. F-O-B-I. Fear of being involved slash included slash invited. The antithesis to FOMO. FOBI refers to someone with a fear of being invited to or involved in social activities. This one here is for my introverted people in the street. So for those of you who know me well, 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 you know that I am an introverted, extroverted person, right? I think the, the majority of you all know me to be extroverted because I have this radio show. You see me doing live stream panels. I host events. I'm out here sometimes with one toe in the street. So you think that I'm an extroverted person. I cannot tell you enough. I am probably the most introverted, extroverted person you will ever meet. Most of you meet me in my extrovertedness, so I can't fault you. But guys, I live for a decline, I live for a decline of an invitation. I live for an, 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 a decline of an event. I live for being disinvited even. I am not that person who is going to come to you and say, I can't believe you did not invite me to your wedding. I can't believe you didn't invite me to X, Y, and Z. I am not that person. In fact, I embrace it. I embrace the declines. I don't want to say it's a fear, but sometimes I feel like it's a fear. Like, oh, I don't want to be invited. I don't want to be invited because I don't want to go. Uh, but I totally feel this definition. You guys know that sometimes Urban Dictionary is not on point. It is not doing what it needs to be doing. But this FOBI phobie, I am here for it because I have experienced. I am a I am I am a witness. I'm giving a testimony. I have been a witness to this fear of being invited, being involved, and being included. Not all of us want to be included. We do not all want to be included. Some of us would prefer to sit on our couches and watch Netflix all day. I would prefer to stay home sometimes and play with my cat. Like, I just don't always want to be out here in these streets. And it's funny because people are like, oh, you're always out there. Guys, Instagram is a liar. Facebook is a liar. Okay. <laughs> really? Instagram is a liar. And Facebook is even worse because it'll replay pictures from like three years ago, four years ago, making it seem like you are literally in these international streets. And mind you, I am in my local home 
in Brooklyn, New York. Like I have not even left the country, right? So I am here for this. I am here for it. And I'm not even going to say that I'm trying to do better because there are times, for those of you who are true introverts and for those of you who are like me, who are introverted, extroverted people, when we are in our introvertedness, we really just don't want to be bothered. If I have plans and somebody's like, hey, girl, won't be able to make it. No problem, sis. No problem. I was in my pajamas anyways. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. Good job. Whoever. Uh, who was it? Pa- Papillona. I can't even get. I'm, I'm over these names. Guys, come on. Papillona Silla. Is that is that the name? This is the name of the person who submitted this uh, urban dictionary word or phrase. But either way. It is now time for our Haitian Creole word or phrase of the week. So this week's Haitian Creole word or phrase of the week is grave. You guys who are in my circle knows that I use this word all the this phrase all the time. I use this phrase all the time, bagayo grave. I guess a direct translation would be the things are grave or things are grave, like things are dire, I guess would be the direct translation, right? Things are dire, not things are grave. <laughs> I'm such a Haitian. <laughs> so not things are grave, but you know, I think grave is a word, right? Like the situation is grave. I think that is an actual word. I haven't, I didn't look it up, but I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But essentially things are dire. Things are looking bleak. Things are bleak. That's what that direct translation would be. But I use this phrase all the time. Bagayo grave. Bagayo, things, these things, those things. Yo are grave. 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 I said grave. (laughs) These things are bleak. Those things are bleak. Things are bleak. Situations are bleak. Situations are looking grim. Ah, grim. There you go. Grim is the word we are going to use. You know, sometimes you have to work. That's how you guys know a lot of this stuff is not pre-rehearsed, guys. I'm coming to you live, live and in the flesh. So we're working these, these definitions out. Um, to find the best possible because there's so many ways that you can describe or define things in Haitian Creole, but I think we finally got to it together. I like to feel like I feel your collective energy working with me together, but things are grim. Things are looking grim. Things are looking bleak. Bagayo grave. Situations are looking grim. It's looking crazy out here. Um, and things are looking crazy. Bagayo grave. Seriously. Bagayo grave. Because this past week, I have seen so many, so many postings about black women, the attempted abduction of black women. Guys, we all have our issues. And I know that a lot of times there's this fight, there's this competition about which group has it the worst. Is it black men? Is it black women? Guys, black people are under attack all the time, but black women, we are literally under attack daily. Just the other day, I was telling my homeboy because he sent me a video of a young woman who almost got abducted in a Walmart, right? I was telling him how I was being followed just the other day in my neighborhood by some creepy looking man in the middle of the day with sunglasses, a, a hat. And guys, the blocks that we were walking on, it was not like it was middle of the day, but it wasn't sunny. 
You know what I mean? Like there was, the sun was not popping out here in these streets. It was one of those partly cloudy days. Homeboy had his long sleeve on, dark, dark, dark shades, very creepy looking white man, you know, baseball cap following me literally. I turned to the left, he turned to the left. I crossed the street, he crossed the street. I was not playing games though. I, 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 you know, I got home safely. I made sure that he wasn't following me to my door. I had to do a little zigzag, you know, a little fake situation, you know, faked him out a little bit. But this is not the first time in, in all honesty that I have been followed, that I have gotten that gut feeling, Rita, go stand in that bodega real quick. It has happened to me on numerous occasions, even in my own building in the middle of the day, came in, some guy followed me, something told me, Rita, nah, stay in your lobby, stand in the lobby, let him go, let him act like he's going to the elevator. And I can tell you for a fact, this dude walked in behind me as I faked out and was like, I'm going to stay in the, and stay in the lobby. Homeboy literally bypassed the elevator and exited through the other side door. What were you doing in my building? You don't even live here. You don't even live here. So this abduction situation, it's not recent. It's not new. It's been going on for a while, but I feel like we have been seeing more and more of it because people are posting and the creative ways of abduction. Um, I think it was, I think this was Texas, Georgia. It was a couple of these Southern states where women were finding napkins lodged into their door handle. And these napkins contain poisonous substances because several of them ended up in the hospital. Then there was the young woman who was in the park being followed. And then when she was escorted to the parking lot, found napkins that she did not place in both the passenger and the driver's side um, door handle. So guys, it is getting real in these streets. I don't know if it's human trafficking. They're, they're, they're looking for body parts. I don't know what it is, but I urge you guys to be safe in the streets, to be safe. I assume, and it's funny because last night I was talking to one of my girlfriends about this because she's a, a true crime you know, enthusiast. I try not to watch these things because I, I, you know, I need to sleep at night. But she, you know, we were trying to get to the bottom of it. Why are they attacking black women? And it's because, you know what, they think we're expendable. And it's sad because when a black woman gets abducted, when a black woman goes missing, it's not national news. It's not national crisis, right? And I think the statistics are like for every one white woman, there are four black women that are abducted and and that disappear. So I think that that's why they are coming after us because we are hot commodity. We will not like, we will not be missed essentially, right? They can abduct. How many black women are abducted right now are missing right now? And we have no idea where they are and there is no national search for them. So I think that's why they are coming after us because they believe and rightfully so that we will not be missed. And so we have to be vigilant ladies and gentlemen, because they're after you guys too. But I have to say the ladies, because we happen to be the most vulnerable, right? We are the most vulnerable. We have to be vigilant. We have to think about creative ways, whether it's carrying a fork and a knife in your purse, whether it's, you know, figuring out what we need to do to stay safe and being, being cautious, right? We need to be prudent. So when I say bagayo grave, bagayo grave, right? This was not the, you know, this was not the story I wanted to attach with this Haitian Creole word of the week, but I guess it was on my heart because I was just having this conversation last night. And then just this week, my homeboy 
sent me, you know, the Instagram post of this young woman giving her story. And I had seen several other um, accounts. And I'm just like, this is crazy. And as a woman, as a black woman who is single, who's out here in these streets at times, it is devastating to think that at any moment it could also be me. So... That was the definition. That was the Haitian Creole word of the week, guys. I'm sorry it had to be so grim. <laughs> but but we need, I mean, as, as funny as we want to be and as jovial as we want to be, we also have to talk about the serious things, right? We have to talk about the things that are going on in our communities and that are affecting us, especially as black women. We need to talk about them. We need to raise awareness. And so with this platform, you know, that's part of the the reason for this. It's to be funny, it's to be entertaining, but it's also to raise awareness to these very serious issues that are plaguing us. Women are disappearing at serious rates, at exponentially high rates. And we're not talking about it enough. Yes, we're, we're sharing, we're reposting on Instagram, but what, when are we coming together to talk about how do we stop this? How do we minimize? How do we lessen the occurrences of black women being abducted, right? So I don't know. We may have a show about that. We may have a live stream about that. Um, but that is the Haitian Creole word or phrase of the week. It's now time for one of my favorite sections of the show. It's now time for the Big Up of the Week. So this week's Big Up of the Week goes to all of my black business owners out there. The struggle is certainly real. And so this month, you know, we really wanted to highlight black businesses and talk about the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, and to really just highlight the fact that we are doing our thing in these streets. Black businesses are on the rise. And what I truly love about our black businesses is that we are truly problem solvers. We are solving problems. We are filling the gaps for our community. Some of these businesses that I've seen pop out of nowhere are literally filling in the gaps. They are solving the problems in our community. And I love to see it. And I really really want all of you to, you know, big up your black business owners, support them. And the support is not always, some people might disagree, but it's not always buying something from their store. It might be pouring into them, asking them, if they need assistance, connecting them with your connections, right? There's so many ways to support that's not necessarily about buying their product. And I would dare say that these business owners would be so welcome to that kind of support. I know for me, I personally am. I am open to anyone who is willing to, you know, give me feedback, anyone who's willing to say, hey, girl, I don't got, you know, no money, but I have time, I have talents, and I want to donate them to you. I want to give you sweat equity. Um, there's so many ways to support. And so I want to really shout out my black business owners because it is not easy, especially for those of us who are nine to fivers. We are working for the man and we are still trying to make it do what it do with our businesses. We've been struggling, you know, we've wanted to shut down on so many occasions, but at the end of the day, I think you have to go back to your why. And you hear that a lot of times in these, you know, business conferences or whatever, but you have to go back to your why. Why did you want to start this business? What is the problem you are seeking to either fix? What, what is the change you're trying to make? What is the gap you're trying to fill with your business? And I think a lot of us, whether we 
see it or not, we are. We are filling gaps. We are creating opportunities for the next generations. We are being inspirations for those who didn't believe that they could. And so I want all of my black business owners to know that you are seen, that you are needed, and that you deserve to be where you are. So big up to you all and happy Black Business Month. So with every high, there is a low. And although many of you consider this to be a high, what I'm about to talk about, I consider it a low. So this womp womp of the week goes to Presidente, El Presidente, Papi, Sleepy Joe Biden. So this week, the White House, after years of stringing the people along, decided that, you know what, we are going to forgive up to 10K of student loan debt and up to 20K of student loan debt for those who received Pell Grants. Now, for those of you who don't know what Pell Grant is, for those of us who were broke in these streets and did not know how we were going to get to college, the government had a Pell Grant system where it gave us a grant. I forgot how much money it was. It was a couple thousand dollars, but it gave us a grant as, you know, federal assistance for those of us who, you know, were poor to go to school. I am very grateful for that because I grew up poor. I was poor. I, you know, food stamps and all. And I needed the Pell Grant and the Pell Grant was given to me and I went to school <laughs> and I was able to get my education um, with the assistance of the Pell Grant. So I am all here for the Pell Grant. Shout out to the Pell Grant. I have no idea if, if it's still a thing now, but at, at my time, it was a thing. However, there are stipulations to this, uh, this, this donation. I don't even know what to call it because to be very honest, I guess if you are somebody who might owe like maybe $10,000 or if you only have maybe 30K left or even if you have 50K left, I don't know. Maybe this is a thing for you, right? But I have to speak, I am speaking to and for my professional professionals. And what I, what I mean by that is those of us who have several advanced degrees, um, who are out here in these streets working for the man, because I know that there has been controversy talking about, ain't nobody told you to get this, to get that. However, if I did not go and get my law degree, I would not be here representing you for free 99, essentially, for you to beat your case. Let, let's be clear. Many of you have so much to say about those of us who, quote unquote, decided to get extra education. Meanwhile, you are the same ones who are seeking out individuals with my kind of education to assist you. Right. You are seeking out doctors because you're not a doctor and, you know, the street pharmacist can't help you. You are seeking out lawyers because you cannot defend yourself. You do not have the education or the knowledge or the training to do so. You are seeking out psychologists. You are seeking out teachers, right? Your kids have to go to school. Who's teaching your kids? These individuals had to go to get a master's degree and then some of them even a PhD to do what they need to do to teach your kids, right? Some of you are like, oh, finally, you may want to get a certification. You want to get a training. Somebody had to go to school to teach you. So, it's really baffling to me, you know, when individuals come out and, and say, you know, oh, well, you decided to get that degree. So why do I got to pay for it? You don't even pay me enough to handle your case. You're not even paying enough for you to be seen by this psychologist or a psychiatrist or freaking social worker. You're these teachers out of out of anybody. I mean, I could talk about the lawyers. I could talk about everybody else. But the teachers 
Guys, the pandemic showed me how much these teachers are underpaid. I used to be one of those who's like, oh, these teachers, they get summers off. You know, they're living the life. Guys, they are not living the life. They are not living the life. The pandemic, I mean, I always respected teachers because I respect people who, you know, I, I respect professions. And I have family members who are teachers. I have friends who are teachers. But the pandemic, when I was stuck in the house with my son all day, having to instruct him and get him to do homework, I was like, no. These teachers are underpaid. They need to get a raise. They need to get paid more than me because they're building. They are rearing and building the future of tomorrow. They are building like my teachers. I'm a lawyer today because my teachers poured into me and they gave me the, the training and the foundation that was needed to move forward to even get to college, to get to law school and to get to, you know, grad school and whatever other stuff that I did. Teachers are underpaid. So when people are out here talking about, oh, you know, no. Let's peel the onion back a little bit and let's really assess. So that was a long rant because that that shit really <laughs> pisses me off when people have the audacity to say that. Um, but yes, so I say all that to say for those of us who, who have several hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans, because unfortunately, these edu- these educational facilities cost so much. Um, Ten thousand dollars is nothing. It is nothing. I, people say it's better than something, but. It's nothing. It's not even interest for the year, $10,000. It's not. So it doesn't mean anything. And then for those of us who, after a decade, were able to get to, you know, the six-figure mark, right? So now there's a pause saying that, well, if you make over like 125, some of us just got here. Some of us worked 15 years to get, 20 years to get here. And now when we're finally at this point, you are now putting a cap and saying, well, if you happen to make this much money, you don't get the forgiveness. Like what is happening here? You know what I mean? So my thing is, if you're going to forgive it, forgive it. Like you did for ITT Tech and all these other spots. If you're going to forgive it, forgive it. But this little $10,000 crumb, I mean, it might do something for somebody else who only who might only have 20K left in their loans. But for those of us who are still looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars, we're looking at mortgages when it comes to our education. $10,000 is nothing. It really isn't. So I don't know. I don't know where Poppy Biden is coming with this. I don't I don't I don't understand it. But many of us do not qualify. Many of us who were out here sacrificing for years are not going to benefit from it. So he gets the womp womp of the week. I don't know if it's the dementia. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but this doesn't make any sense. I mean, he threw this out a little while ago and I felt like people shut it down, but somehow we came back to it again. I don't understand what this is. Um, But for those of you who are going to benefit, you know, congratulations. I can't be a hater for you all, but I'm just saying, if we're going to do the thing right, let's do it right, guys. Let's do it right. But, um, you know, that is the womp womp of the week. (laughs) So now we are moving on to the meat of the show. earlier we are approaching the end of black business month size size sad face sad face i love this month because it just gives us an opportunity to highlight the importance of black businesses 
It gives us an opportunity to highlight black businesses that otherwise would never get some shine. It's just an overall motivational month, I think, for black individuals, especially those of us who are in the business world. I wanted to talk a little bit about those of us who are black business owners, but are also nine to fivers. The struggle is real, guys. It is real. And, you know, there are benefits to having a nine to five and also running a business because the nine to five can serve as your seed money. It can serve as your foundation, in a sense, for running this business, right? Because it costs money to run businesses and grants are not always available. You don't always qualify. Sponsors are not always out here trying to pour money into your pockets. And so you need that job to, in a sense, fund your business. But I think at the end of the day, it is a compromise. And oftentimes it's your business that suffers because of the extra time you are putting into your nine to five and you're taking that time away from your business, right? So it's a struggle, but you know, I attended this training last weekend and it really opened up my eyes with respect to what's next. And I think that many of us who are nine to fivers and and who own businesses, the business is our passion. The business is what we really want to move forward with. It's just that it hasn't taken off yet. And we cannot, you know, we're not young. We're not teenagers. We cannot just say we're going to crash on our mother's couch and make this happen, right? We need that job to sustain ourselves. But I will say that in doing this training and really understanding, you know, passions and really understanding like that something has to give. I think that for those of us who are doing both and we are wanting to move into a direction where the business that we're growing becomes our main source of income, right? Becomes our main hustle, our main job becomes the job. It's really about planning, being strategic about what it is that you want to do and really taking a pause and doing a full assessment of your business, your business model, your business idea. One thing I've been saying for God knows how long is that it's okay to pivot. I talk about this here. I talk about this on Frida's World. It's okay to pivot. At the end of the day, this this is your business, right? It's not about other people for the most part in terms of who are you letting down, you know, whose opinions matter. It's about what works and what you are comfortable with. And I think oftentimes we are afraid to pivot because of the opinions of others and because, oh, well, we said we're going to do this, so we got to stick to this. That's not how it is. And I think that for those of us who are nine to fivers, it's even more critical for us to sit back and reassess and pivot and make sure that the money that we are spending, right? The money that we are taking out of our 401ks, even our savings account, the money that we are taking from our checks that could be used for other things, that we are spending them wisely, that we are not just throwing money out on a passion project, on a hobby, but that we are truly being intentional with the money that we are using towards the business and that we have a clear business goal. We have a clear agenda and that we have a clear strategy for the end date, right? Now, I'm not going to reveal so much what my end date is, but I do have an end date for my nine to five job. I love being a lawyer and I do plan on still practicing on the side, but 
I think that if I'm being real with myself, my true passion is media. My true passion is doing these podcasts. It's putting together and curating these panels to have these meaningful discussions that will hopefully address issues in our community and and create some solutions to these problems that we are facing. The And that's my passion, you know? And so you know, my goal is to really move forward and build this media brand, this media empire, as well as become a philanthropist, which, you know, I believe that I've already laid the foundation for that. We have our nonprofit organization, Frida's House, that we are building and we are, you know, doing what we need to do with that. So I'm excited for what is to come. But at the end of the day, there is great fear. There is great fear. And I think that fear is something that many of us experience, especially on our entrepreneurial journeys, right? It's crippling even. And, you know, it's funny because two weeks ago I gave a talk on the courage to overcome fear. And I was very transparent in that I am somebody who overcomes fear almost daily. I feel like daily I'm, I'm overcoming fear. And sometimes, you know, it's not necessarily about overcoming fear, but it's recognizing that there's fear and doing it anyways, right? Still moving forward, having the courage to still move forward despite being fearful. And there's this quote that's been going around, you know, do it afraid, do it scared. And I am a firm believer of that. I think that a lot of the things that I've accomplished in my life, I have done it scared. I have done it afraid. There has not been many times where I feel like I have totally overcome fear and was like, haha, I'm moving forward. I think I, I was still operating with fear in fear, but still moving forward because one thing I know about me is that I am very resilient in that when I truly want to do something and when I'm truly passionate about something, it will be done regardless of the obstacles, regardless of what trials and tribulations come my way. I can say that I have had enough life experiences to testify to that willpower of mine. And not everybody has it, but it's not some, it's something that you can build. It's not something that you, you know, develop, I would say overnight. I feel like the trials and tribulations that many of us has, have gone through in life ha- are preparing us or have prepared us for the moment that is to be the moment, right? So that's why sometimes I don't, it's hard going through life, you know, but sometimes I try to see the silver lining and to see where God is trying to take me with these obstacles and with these trials and with these tribulations and with these hiccups, right, that appear in life. But that quote, do it afraid, do it scared, it's something that I am holding dear even more so because as I try to move forward with business, it is scary. It's not easy, especially with the idea of at some point I will have to stop working full time to dedicate time to, you know, to my passion that ultimately will lead to my financial freedom. And I believe that this will be where my financial freedom comes from. It's not going to come from my nine to five job, but it's scared because as a parent, as a single parent, I don't, you know, have a spouse. I don't have a partner to lean on. It's literally me. If something happens, 
that's it. You know, my child needs to live. My child needs to be provided for. My child needs to to thrive and I need to to ensure that he thrives, but I need to ensure that I thrive, right? And as, you know, I won't say just Haitians because a lot of us who are, you know, of the Caribbean and African descent, you already know there's a, there's an obligation to family that is great in which parents and and people that we don't even know are dependent on our coins. So it's, you know, there's a lot of pressure, especially being somebody who quote unquote has made it to an extent, you know, you graduated from wherever you, you know, you graduated from, you're working a professional career, you have, you know, quote unquote made it in the eyes of society. You know, you have a great job, you have a great title. There's a lot of pressure for you to perform. And sometimes we are tired of performing. And especially when we're doing both being a nine to fiver and running businesses and nonprofits and whatnot, we are having to perform doubly, right? We are having to perform doubly and it's very exhausting. And I think maybe some of that has probably contributed to some of my health concerns. Um, the stress that I don't think exists, but somehow exists, right? Um, but do it afraid, do it scared. I say that to anybody who is either currently working their nine to five, knows that they are miserable, knows that they are looking to really delve into their, you know, side hustle full time. Don't just jump out of your job. Obviously that would be crazy, but I think make that plan, make that plan while you're scared, while you're afraid, make that plan, do what you need to do. And then take the leap when, when, when you need to take the leap, right? When it sounds for you to take the leap, when it's appropriate for you to take the leap. I think that you could still be scared, but still be prudent and still, you know, um, operate in appropriateness. <laughs> I think you can do both. Being scared does not equal reckless all the time. Being afraid and doing things afraid does not mean you have to just jump in with, you know, jump out of the plane without a parachute. You could still be calculated, but still be afraid taking that leap of faith, right? You could still prepare in a sense, in my opinion, to take that leap of faith. So that's what I would say with regards to that. The other revelation or reflection that I, that I've made is community. I think that we really need to be in community, especially as black businesses, black business owners. We really need to be about community. We, we are black business owners. We are the black community. We need to support ourselves. We need to, we need to support each other. I do believe in allyship to an extent, and I'm all here for those who want to be allies. You know, just know your lane, know your place. But, we have we have to be in community in order for us to thrive. We need the community to support us, right? We're not buying these products ourselves. And again, a lot of times we are creating these businesses to solve problems in our community and, and to fill gaps. So we need the community. We need to work together. It's a two-way street, right? It's not just the businesses pumping out, pumping out, but the community has to show support in ways that's not just, again, spending the dollar, but really creating platforms for us, pouring into us, and and really working in tandem with us. Um, I think holding each other accountable is something else that I've I've come to to really learn is that we need to hold each other accountable. Consumers need to hold uh, the businesses accountable. Businesses need to hold consumers accountable. Businesses need to hold each other accountable, other businesses accountable. There needs to be a level of accountability in order for this thing to really work, for us to truly get to that black wealth, that black Wall Street 
you know, I see these, these, these ideas and I see these visions and I believe that they can be, that they can happen, but we have to operate in integrity as well too. We have to operate in integrity on both sides, consumers and business owners. Um, the power of sweat equity. I am somebody who does not like to ask people for anything. I do not like to ask people for anything. And, and if I come out of my face to ask you for something, you need to understand that it took so much that it, I must be at a critical point where I am coming to ask because I am, I do not do this lightly. I am not. My mother taught me very young. Don't ask anybody for anything. Um, do what you need to do for yourself. That was not necessarily the best teaching because it allowed me to always be on some, I got to work by myself. I got to do things by myself. Nobody can do things like me. Nobody will be able to understand my vision. So I got to do it myself. It definitely created some um, solitude. But I will say that the power of sweat equity, being able to, you know, you don't have the money to invest in one's business, Right but you want to invest your talent. You want to help with the groundbreaking, right? You want to help with the foundation. You want to be a part of this business with the, with the hopes that, listen, I'm putting in all this work. I'm putting in all this sweat. Once this business takes off, I want my equity, right? And there's nothing wrong with that because you were there from the beginning to help build this from the ground up. And I think we don't understand the power of it. Many of us are operating on E, like we're operating on fumes with our businesses. Like we, my God, like I can't even say like fumes, 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 fumes. We don't even have no gas in the gas tank. But we have individuals who are offering to be part of the struggle with you that are that are wanting to help build because they either believe in you as the individual or they believe in what you're trying to do. And I think sometimes and I think that I have been guilty of this in the past, we might bypass that because we're like, oh, you know, we're just used to doing things on our own. We don't we don't understand. We did not understand the power of sweat equity, allowing people you know, with integrity, obviously, to be part of your journey and sharing in the profits with them later on, right? Sharing in the business. It's nothing to give somebody 10% of your company, 5% of your company, if they were putting in the work for free 99. You know, the the assistance, the cost of assistance is real. Like to get somebody to do social media for you in these streets, my God, like they're charging $700 a month, $1,000 a month. And listen, I'm not going to say that people should not charge what they believe that they're worth because, you know, social media is the wave, right? We know that if you're not on social media, like you don't have a business, right? So it's important, especially when the person knows what they're doing. But for a lot of us who are really just trying to figure it out and trying to make it, we don't have $700 a month. We don't have $1,000 a month to give to somebody to do social media when there's so many other aspects. There might be rent. There might be all these other things, equipment costs that we need to spend. We don't have that kind of money. So sweat equity is important. Finding individuals who want to pour into your business, who want to help you either because they believe in you or they believe in your vision and then giving them a piece of the pie, not just as a thank you, but as, you know, partnership, I think is something that a lot of us, we, 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 it goes over our heads. And so we need to really, you know, understand that power. And I think if, if many businesses understood, if the business understood the power of sweat equity, we would see less struggle in these streets. 
Building collectives and partnerships, strategic partnerships. Another thing that a lot of us struggle with, I would say I struggle with this, building the partnerships, right? The strategic partnerships. It goes along with the, I don't want to ask anybody for anything business, right? Many of us, you know, they always say, well, closed mouths don't get fed. And I think a lot of us are not getting fed because we don't want to ask. We don't want to come out our face. We don't want to come out. I don't know if it's weakness. I don't know if it's just that fear of rejection, right? Fear of rejection is very big. A lot of us are like, you know, it's like, it's like we've, some of us have been rejected since we were kids, right? We were rejected from our parents, rejected from our fathers, our mothers, rejected from, you know, schools, from jobs, from partners, like we've been rejected all our life. So some of us don't want to set ourselves up. Like, what am I, why am I going to choose to be rejected from, you know, these companies or from these sponsors or whatever the case is. Like I've had enough rejection in my life. I don't need to volunteer for rejection. I think that that is the mindset of many of us. I can say for me, that has been my mindset many times. Like I'm not going to set myself up for this because we're afraid to hear no, or we don't want to hear no, or we're tired of hearing no. But as I've, you know, grown in this, not just this entrepreneurial journey, I've been doing this for several years, but I think just growing in life, growing as a human being, no, one no is a, is, is not the end of the world, right? Because this no from this person can be a yes from somebody else because you're, now you're, you're open to receiving a yes from a bigger and better opportunity. So this fear of rejection that a lot of us have keeps us from building partnerships and partnerships, I think, are the wave. Again, when you're operating with people of integrity, um, partnerships are the wave, you know, partnering up on, on and collaborating, operating as a collective, building a collective even. I think that that's really how we move forward. And I think some of us really we don't see it that way because it's like, this is my business. This is my company. I want credit for what I did. I don't want other people getting credit for the work that I do or for my ideas. But I think that that's what limits us and that's what keeps us small and it keeps us in the box because if we keep operating like that, okay, your network knows who you are, but imagine if you collaborated with another organization or another media brand, right? Imagine how many more people would know of the work that you're doing, So I think that building this collective, this is something I've always wanted to do, even in the law. Like I've always tried to like get, you know, collectives going. I love collectives, but I find that it's two things. One, people want to be in, you know, be in community. They want to build as collectives, but they don't want to put in the work. So now you're stuck, you know, doing all the work. So it's no longer a collective experience. People are afraid of sharing credit. They're like, well, I want my company to be the one to get this credit. I don't want other people to think that it was Black Ivy Media, so I don't want to collaborate with them. Three, you know, people just, they, they want to be in control. They want their ideas to be the controlling ideas and they don't want to share. They don't want to share resources. But imagine if two or three media companies come together as a collective, we can share our resources. Do you know how much powerful, how much more powerful we would be? We would be unstoppable. Two or three black-owned, black-centered, black-minded media companies coming together to build. We are all not doing the same thing, right? We all are media companies, but I have my focuses. You have your focuses. Is focuses a word? I don't know, but (laughs) we focus on different aspects, but we come together. We share resources. We come to the, the writer's table, the writer's room, and we think about ideas. Like that is a dream of mine, but I find that many people don't want to do that for various reasons, right? But we need to move past that. Like there's such, there's such great 
work that needs to be done. Like there are so many issues that need to be solved. And I believe that the media can solve a lot of these issues. Now the right media, right? Not what we've been experiencing in these streets, but you know, getting together with people who are, who are, you know, focused and who are really about building and are really about the collective, really about the community and really getting to the, the bottom of some of our issues. Um, you know, it would be beautiful to be able to sit down and just have, I don't know, a conversation that could lead to to work, right? That could lead to the sharing of resources. Because if you need a videographer, I need a videographer. Why can't we split that, right? Either way, you know, I'm ranting. But I'm ranting for a purpose because this is stuff that's really on my heart. And I really like when I sit back and I'm like, man, so many things could be done. But for our egos, but for, you know, our fears, right? So for me, my passion is amplifying the voices of those who do not have a voice, right? Sharing stories, getting to the bottom of some of these issues that we're facing in our community and getting to the solutions. And I think that my entire life has prepared me for this moment. Since I was a kid, I was always creative. I was always into the art. I was always, you know, and a think a person who thought outside of the box. I went into the law because I wanted to help people. I wanted to be a voice for the voiceless. I wanted to amplify those who could not um, speak for themselves. And I think that through my career and through the relief work that I've done, my various degrees, I think all of it has come together to prepare me for this moment. And it's really up to me to seize it by the horns, right? To continue the work through media, to continue the work through my philanthropic organizations, to continue just being who I think God has created me to be and to really just use my life experience as a catapult to this next level. And I think for those of you who are tuning in, who are in this weird space in business and, you know, are really trying to, to figure out, you know, what do I need to do to move forward? How can I get unstuck? How can I get to that next level? Or for those of you who are thinking about getting into business in general, like what, what is it that I need to do? I think that some of the things that I talked about is where you start, right? Not being afraid to operate as a collective, find other people who are like-minded and build something with them, right? Not being afraid to ask for assistance, which is something, again, I'm still working on, but not being afraid to ask for assistance, um, accepting help from those who truly want to help you, right? And giving equity. Don't be stingy. Pafeshish. That should be next week's word of the week. <laughs> Pafeshish. Don't be stingy with you know your businesses. If you have people who are willing to give in time and put in time, respect that and respect them because assistance is not cheap in these streets. It is not cheap, uh, cheap in these streets. And I think, you know, overall, just daring to be bold, daring to be brave, operating in courage and moving through and moving forward, even with fear. And I think for those of us who are God-fearing individuals, operating in faith, really being in touch with the creator and just asking him for guidance. You know, every day, part of my prayer is, God, Black IV is in your hands. I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know if I should still be operating in the way that I need to operate. 
Do I need to pivot? Give me some signs. Give me, you know, give me some guidance because I don't know what I want to do. Because at the end of the day, I do believe that my life is, you know, I was created to serve my higher being, right? And so everything I do needs to fall in line. And I'm not always perfect. I'd be slipping in these streets. I'd be falling down and getting back up. But my purpose is greater than me. And that's something that I came to realize, I think, since I was young. You know, the things that I would do, the way that I would help people, it it was bigger than me. It's always been bigger than me. And so sometimes you have to take it back to basics and literally lay it all at his feet, right? You You have an idea, you have a passion, pray about it. And I think Bradley, on our last episode, had mentioned this, you know, God gave you your vision for you. He didn't give it to somebody else. So if he gave it to you, you know, don't worry about what the world has to say or what other people have to say about the vision that God gave you. He gave it to you. You need to cultivate it. You need to move forward with it, regardless of what others say, regardless of how silly it might sound, regardless of how my how crazy it might appear to those. And it makes sense that it would be crazy to others, right? Because God didn't give them the foresight. He didn't give them that vision. He didn't give them the understanding for that vision. He gave it to you. And so hopefully you guys got something out of today's episode. Again, happy Black Business Month to all of my business owners and my soon-to-be business owners. Um... The journey is rough, it's arduous, but it is rewarding. And for those of us who are the nine to fivers and trying to build businesses on the side, keep going, like my mother would say. (laughs) Keep going, don't give up. It's okay to take a pause. You guys know that I've taken some pauses here and there because you have to think about you know your mental health and your physical health as well too you have to put yourself first but keep going don't let it die don't let that flame die that vision that god gave you don't let it don't let it go to waste because somebody is losing out because you haven't started that business you are choosing to put that vision on the back burner just remember we do not operate only for ourselves. We operate as a collective. Our life oftentimes is to really impact others. It might have nothing to do with you as the individual. God doesn't give you more than you can bear. And so sometimes your struggles, your journey, your purpose, your story is to really impact others. So remember that when you are thinking about your business, thinking about uh, you know what, this isn't gonna help anybody or you know what, nobody is gonna understand this. It wasn't for them to understand. Once you've created that masterpiece, once you've put in the work and you're ready to present to the world, it will all make sense. So with that being said, everyone, happy rest of the week. Happy new week. And I will talk to you guys next week. You were listening to According to RP on WJMS Radio. About time you tuned in. Tune in each and every Sunday. Can't wait to come back. 7.30.